Today's episode of Atlanta Zone is brought to you by Gasolina, ready-to-drink cocktail, a.k.a. party in a pouch, a.k.a. tu madras, manufactured in Vega Alta, Puerto Rico. It is the official off-season drink of the Braves and Falcons. 9.2% alcohol by volume. This product contains alcohol. Not for sale to children and D.C. liberals. Boy, who's still... What's up, Atlanta sports fans? My name is Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalal, and we are Atlanta Zim, two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wacky-ass hijinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? It's going great, Graham. In case you can't tell by our new sponsor, I just uh, got back from San Juan, Puerto Rico. Very fair. <laughs> I, I was doing a little work for Atlanta Zone down there, and no. didn't... Small investment, but uh, we got a little money coming from them now. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, these party in the pouches are uh, pretty legit. It's pretty tasty. Yeah. 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 They support Atlanta sports. I did see, while I was down there, you remember back in the day, this must have been early 2000s, maybe, mm-hmm. when they would the Expos would play a game in uh, San Juan? I don't remember that actually for the, some reason. The Braves, the, I remember the Braves played a couple series down there. Really, it was like a little. Probably couldn't have been more than twenty thousand person stadium, but it was always just wild. And I remember they huh. lo- they loved Javi Lopez. Apparently, they're playing a couple more series down there. I believe this year. The Expos, not the Expos. <laughs> some other major league baseball <laughs> ah, teams. Cool. I don't think the Braves are involved in that though. So probably not. That's a bummer. But they love their baseball down there. Yeah, so speaking of baseball, we'll jump right into the big news of today. So today uh, that we're recording this is January 24th, 2018, and uh, around 6 p.m., as it was heavily rumored to happen, Chipper Jones is officially going to be enshrined into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Yes. Uh, getting 97.5% of the vote. Damn. I believe there were only 12 people that did not vote for Chipper of the entire Baseball Writers of America that had the ability to vote for such uh, an honor. Who are the who are those twelve people? I don't know. We'll never know. I think they they keep it anonymous. Mm-hmm. A lot of people. The the reason why it came. I mean, a lot of people thought that Chipper was going to be first ballot Hall of Famer no matter what, considering the incredible career he had. But it became more apparent that this was highly probable just because so many writers were tweeting out, you know, who they were voting for. And so I think once they saw that, they were like, "Oh, there's like ninety two percent of people are saying that they're voting for Chipper right now. That's the count." And I think you only have to get 70% or 75% to get in. Um, and for those of you who give a damn about this, um, also joining him is Jim Tomey, our old nemesis from the 1985 World Series. Yep. Vlad Guerrero, our old nemesis from the Montreal Expos. I love Vlad. Oh, yeah. No, he's a beast. Yeah. Um, and Trevor Hoffman, one of the most dominant closers in the history of baseball. So that's a hell of a class we're going into um, for Chipper. It's crazy how quickly after retiring, it seems like all those guys were just playing like a few years ago. Yeah, Chipper has only been retired for five years, so I guess that's all it takes. Yeah, but yeah, good for like you said, no surprise there. I think we all saw that coming. Is he considered the top of that class, or is there a top of the class? Or well, I know Tommy had like six hundred home runs. I think Chipper overall is probably the best player out of that group to me. I think he and Vladimir Guerrero both had MVPs. Um, but Vlad was a nightmare in the outfield from what I remember. 
made error after error. I know he had a huge arm. Cannon of an arm. Yeah, but I think he was a big error guy defensively. Not that Chipper was the best defensive player. But Chipper definitely is a... an uh, Gold glove caliber. Chipper? Yeah. Yeah. He's never... He never won a gold glove. Did he not? No. Played solid third base. Yeah, he was, he was, he was a decent enough third baseman. Um, but it, it, even though you know it's coming... My, my reaction was like, yeah, I expected that. But really, you know, I'm also really happy for him just because I know how much happiness he supplied to me over the course of my life, um, even through the tough years, you know, when the Braves would get so close and something horrible would happen. You know, Chipper was always there and always giving it his all. And he's he's someone you don't see in the sports anymore. He played his whole career with the Braves was extremely loyal to the franchise, took pay cuts. Um, he was loyal to the fans of Atlanta, and so I can think of no greater honor than for him to go into the Hall of Fame, and I freaking love that man. He's yeah. probably my favorite baseball no, player of all time. I think time. he's my favorite athlete of all time. Yeah. And we were blessed to get him. We wanted to draft, what, what was that? Von, Von, Von Van Poppel. Van Poppel? Yeah. Yeah. And that's really detailed in his book. Um, driven. That, You've read that, right? It's not driven. You're thinking of that stupid Fox Sports South <laughs> show <laughs> that they do, where That's they go. Ball. It's called ball player. Ah, close enough. Yeah, driven. Yeah, that's uh, you see in there in the uh, rain delays. Rain or delays. delays. Yeah, yeah. Goddamn. You see. Uh, Sorry, Junior. You see driven. Uh, during rain delays during Braves games, where it's this horribly put together 30 minute specials about various Braves players. They're not horrible. It's just it's just a cheesy quality to them. Yeah, I was watching. Maybe that's where I got. I was watching Driven today on Chipper Jones. Ah, okay. Yeah, so that's why you called it that. Yeah. Yes. So in ball player, he's talking about like yeah, if the and this is kind of known outside of ball player, but it was interesting to get his perspective on it because I think he really wanted to come to the Braves because it was close to his Florida home and he loves the South and I know he was hoping that the Braves wouldn't sign Van Poppel, but. Um, <laughs> And Van Powell said he wasn't going to sign with them. And that's what led us to sign Chipper as a number one overall pick. I think in 1990. Do you think we win more or less championships if we didn't have Chipper Jones? It's a good question. Because then we would have been terrible for a few years and maybe gotten another a couple another uh, number one picks. Difficult to say. But it's I, interesting that you can't definitively say no. Yes, you can't because Chipper was so so great. Yeah, right on a on a on a fantastic teams for the most part, especially in the earlier portions of his career because he came up in '93 for a cup of coffee, then got injured towards ACL and didn't play again until '95 um, when he's officially a rookie. So I don't think you. I mean, he wasn't. I actually know what I don't think you win the ninety five World Series without him. Oh no. Lest we forget, you know, he really came through in that Rockies series with a home run, the division series to, you know, put us over the over the top. I think it was on the road. And so I think you don't you know, even though we only had one championship, maybe you don't win it without him. You win the one we have. Do you think there's a lot of uh, Atlanta sports podcasts debating whether or not we were better off with or without Chipper Jones. I don't think so. It's a pretty, it's a, pretty uh, it's a hot take. I'll say that. I didn't see this turn coming myself. Yeah. What uh, What do you think? I'm guessing just with how valuable he was to the team, I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, there's all these sort of crazy flukes. Like maybe if we didn't have Chipper over the 10 year, 15 year span when we're winning all those divisions, we have some terrible teams, end up with the number one draft pick, end up with a guy like Bryce Harper. 
Who knows? Who knows? But I'm happy we ended up with Chipper. Yeah, no, we were blessed to have him, and um, I'm really, really happy for him. I sent him a congratulatory tweet. <laughs> I'm sure he read it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you're one of a select few. Yeah, one of one of one million probably on the in. Yeah. Um, but you look at it too. I mean. I didn't realize how valuable Chipper was overall as a player. I was looking up the all-time war leaders in the history of baseball. He's number 51. And yeah. There's, and there's only three other switch hitters who are higher than him. So he had 84, I think, wins above replacement. That's 51 all-time. Mm-hmm. That's better than King Griffey. That's better than a lot of people on there that you wouldn't think. So, I mean, the the, the man was invaluable to, to our team. This guy had more RBIs than Mickey Mantle. Yeah. I mean. And, he was a monster. Yeah, especially to do what he did as a switch hitter. And you got to think, too, if he doesn't have all his injuries over the well, the latter part of his career, he's hitting 500 homers, no problem. Well, plus he, he was a big stolen base guy early in his career. Yeah. Until the knee injuries crept up. Yeah, then he wasn't really stealing too many bases. Um, But, yeah, I think it would be appropriate to go over maybe some top memories of Chipper Jones. You may not have to put a number on it, but just stuff that really sticks out to you over the course of your, of your life. So I'll start with one of um, – the later moments of Chipper's career in 2012, we're playing the Phillies. You remember this game? I do. I was out of town, and I was actually in Savannah, and we were down nine to four. And I remember we stopped watching the game. And we were doing stuff that's, outside. That's fake news. And then we heard. I think it was what seven. Happened. It was seven to one, or whatever it was. It was. A, it was a. We were down. We were down big. big, and then Chipper Jones steps up to the plate in the ninth inning, down seven to five with two on. And this is what happens. The, the audio is the only thing that'll do it justice. Intern Jared, you want to cue this up for us? Thanks. Swing, high front ball, belt to right center, and the Braves have won it. Expected a little more uh, description out of that, but yeah, Chipper obviously walked off, walked up and hit a walk off home run against one of the Papelbon. toughest closers yeah. in the league at the time, Jonathan Papelbon. And the thing uh, I loved about that moment that was Chipper's last home run of his career, and this was um, this was in September, and we had just come off. You know, this is a year after the the collapse in 2011. And so we'd started to scuffle, I remember, around this time, and people were starting to freak out about the, you know, we weren't going to make the playoffs and all this stuff. And then Chipper comes in and kind of writes the ship. And from then on, we played pretty good baseball down the stretch until, of course, we fucked up in the wild card game. But, <laughs> but, but it was still a great moment. That was definitely Chipper's. He was that guy that elevated his game in the clutch. Yeah, even when he's injured and 40 years old, taking the, one of the best closures in baseball, Dave. Pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, it, the, the way he performed in his past few years were amazing. Like, another big one for me was 2008 when he won the batting crown mm. at uh, 36 years old. Man hit 360, 364, I think. That's crazy. Yeah. And this was when we thought he was on the way down because he had a couple injury-riddled years. And, um, yeah, he still had it and, like, 
Best hitter in the league. Yeah. Yeah, last season was really special for me. I think I went to about 25 Braves games that year, so I have a lot of memories from that season. I mean, I watch all the games anyway, but um, I went to the bobblehead game where they gave out a bobblehead for Chipper. He hit two home runs that in that game, and that was just so much fun. It was it was like uh, it was against the Padres, and I can't remember who was the pitcher. It was a former Brave though, and he just took him deep twice, and it was such nice. a sight. And he came out and did a curtain call, yeah, and stuff. It was just so fucking awesome. We also hit like it seemed like every year he had a home run on his birthday as well. Yeah, like he was notorious for that. Mm-hmm. I've got <clears throat> yeah, so I've got two off the top of my head. Uh, one of which I was lucky enough to be at the 2000 All Star Game as a ten year old. And Chipper was the starting third baseman, and he had a bomb to, I believe, his right center field. And just being on the national stage, being around, I remember we were around a bunch of fans who were coming from out of town, and they were talking about, like, you know, they had liked Chipper a lot, and he just comes in there and rips one. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was so fucking pumped. I was there with my dad, and that was, that was amazing. I also remember that last series against the Mets when we were still fighting for the division title in 99 when he won the MVP, and he hit, like, four home runs over the course of three games or something like that, and... It was, I mean, that 99 season, I remember as a kid, just being unfreaking believable And he talked about it in that book of his where... Driven, right? Yeah, Driven. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and ball player where he talks about uh, the hitting coach. I can't remember if it was Don Baylor or someone else. It was, it was some old school guy who said, you know, I'm tired when you're coming up hitting uh, right-handed going the other way and doing all this stuff. It's like you need to come in and just go for it. Fucking destroy the ball! I'm gonna I'm gonna teach you how to do that, and not be a you know, and not wimp out when you're, you're down the count trying to take it the other way. Like you were going to hit 40 home runs this year. I think he hit 45 and Damn. was on his way to winning a MVP. Yeah, he's one of those guys because a lot of people in Atlanta don't follow baseball. Yeah, especially like obviously like we do, but they're just not interested in any of the new players, if right. you will. But he's one. Of, he's like the one name that like everyone in everyone loves. Knows Chipper Jones. Yeah, everyone loves. And, um, yeah, I don't really have any specific memories to really go over anymore, but I, I think it was just always the comforting feeling that you had this incredible MVP caliber player throughout your childhood. And then even when he got older and dropped off a little bit, he was still a force to be reckoned with. You could never take him lightly and just loved watching him play the game. He he looked like a baseball player and he carried himself professionally. And well, it was just, he was, he, did things the right way. Well, it's just cute. He, he was that guy who you don't see it so much anymore. Where like he took so many pay cuts mm-hmm. in order to stay with the Braves, and he moved. He made that move to left field so that oh, Vinny yeah. Castilla could come in here just because he wanted to win a championship and right. thought that was the best way that could happen. Yeah, he was um, the ultimate team player. Even though he has an ego in the sense that he knows he's a good player, he's not walking around strutting his stuff. You know, being a LeBron type of prima donna or anything yeah. like that. That's why I loved it so much this past year with when Freddie moved to third for Matt Adams. That was a little bit of that. It was reminiscent. Yeah, that yeah. was that uh, chipper in him. He's like, I don't give a shit. I just want to be on a winning ball team with the best for the team. Right. Let's Coach wants me to do it. I'm in. Yeah. No ego despite making $120 million. Right. Just wants to win. Yeah. So here's huge. Moving on to some depressing Falcons news. So last week when you're out of town, Adam, I think, or maybe the day before, Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov had a press conference uh, to signify the end of the Falcons season. I thought we were done with Falcons for the year. There's a couple of things I want to talk about here that really pissed me off. Oh, great. That's what we need. <laughs> yeah. So they're coming out, and the first thing Dan Quinn says, I'm paraphrasing, 
I'd like to address the question that's on everyone's mind in this room. Sark will be back. The failure of the offense or whatever was not on one individual and all this shit. And he's like, look at Kyle Shanahan. Everybody wanted his head after the first year, and then look what he did the second year. So he's just saying all the same shit that we said on the podcast last week. Yeah, but something that upset me about that, and I think that maybe he's just saying it in a safe face, and I respect him for sticking next by his guy. There's a big difference between Kyle Shanahan bringing in a totally new offense and disrupting the fabric of the team. Uh, that's a good point. As opposed to freaking Sark, who is just supposed to be a seamless transition coming and running the same offense, and we go from the best offense in the league to, like, 17th. There's a big fucking difference there. So to, to, so to equate what's happened to us... That's a great point, Graham. Did you come up with that all on your yeah. own? Yeah. So to equate what happened to us then, because I, I was thinking about it, and I was like, well, shit. This is supposed to be the offense that led to the seventh-best offense in football, and now this guy comes in, and now we suck. Because I've been using that damn example all year. Yeah. Well, I thought about it, and it's just like, well, shit. Well, there you go. You know, so I think he's... Severely overlooking that. Yeah. You know, it's a totally different scenario. Yeah, I'm starting to think Sark's a loser. Yeah, me too. I, I'm, I'm not a fan, and I really, you know, for, for the drop-off to happen is just incredible. It's not, I mean, the guard play was bad, and the receiver play, that's another thing. Terry Rubisky is the receiver coach. He's been a defensive coach his whole life. Why the hell is he getting, why the hell is he coaching the receivers? So I don't know. I, I'm starting to question Dan Quinn a little bit. And I, and I questioned him again at this press conference when I can't remember if it was him or Thomas that said this, but they were, they were talking about, uh, you know, we've decided to coin the phrase this way. We don't think we really underperformed or we under executed, but we underperformed. And it's like, that's totally synonymous. There's no difference there. It's semantics. I don't think we under executed, we underperformed. That's a, or vice versa, whatever. It doesn't fucking matter. Either way, they were saying, like, as, as if that's supposed to have some grand statement as to... Like, uh, oh, deter- I feel so much yeah, better. as to determining why we failed. It's just bullshit for losers like us to talk about on a silly podcast. Yeah. Yeah, they had nothing. Yeah. If, if that's what they're bringing out. Yeah. So, those were two things that really pissed me off about that press conference. Um, but yeah, back to Sark. I just, I don't know, man. Did you see this? Um, you heard about this Char- Charlie Weiss Jr. that I didn't realize was on our staff? Wow. Do you know about him? No. So, <laughs> Charlie Weiss Jr. is 24 years old. Okay. Baby-faced. Yeah. And does he, does he look like his daddy? No, he's tall and skinny and baby-faced. Pretty much the opposite of Charlie Weiss Sorry, Sr. Weiss Sr., yeah. But, like, this kid grew up with... Obviously, with his dad, like on the sidelines at Notre Dame, like when he's 13, headsets on, listening to every single thing of the game, just taken in. Right. Like, loved football. Mm -hmm. And he ended up at, I don't remember the connection. Somehow he ended up at Alabama as a, like a grad assistant. Yeah. And freaking Saban loved him. Mm -hmm. Like, Saban was sad to see him leave because he ended up following Sark. To Atlanta. Oh. And now, freaking um, Lane Kiffin yeah. just stole him from us and made him the offensive coordinator at 24 wow. at Florida Atlantic. And apparently Quinn was like legit pissed to see this kid go. Leave. Because yeah. he's, he's that good. Well, that's too bad. Yeah, like some guy I didn't even know on the staff, but like 
It was just amazing, apparently. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Well, yeah, but like, that's too bad. It was like, a, I think Kiffin had taken him once, and then Star- Sark stole him from Kiffin, Kiffin and now yeah. Kiffin stole him He's back. He's returning the favor. Well, that's another sad development then. It's yeah, not like you had you, a lot of potential. Be, if you needed any other bad news. Yeah. Um, maybe some good news. The uh, Falcons hired Greg Knapp as the quarterback's coach. Now, obviously, you're not going to be teaching Matt Ryan a lot about how to play quarterback at this point in his career. However, this is a really young coaching staff, particularly on offense. I mean, the defense, too, but Marquand Manuel definitely made strides this year and turned us into a top 10 unit, so hats off to him. But offensively, Sark is surrounded by a lot of guys that seemingly don't have a ton of NFL experience. So I think it's going to be good to get Greg Knapp in to you know, help game plan, bounce ideas off, of, you know, be a mentor towards Sark that maybe he can help him. He's also utilized a lot of similar West Coast offenses in his time. For those that may think this is a familiar, um, familiar name to you, he was the coordinator during the Mike Vick era for a few years uh, under Jim Mora. He, he's so. always he was always known for a great running game. Yeah. Um, subpar passing game. That's also a lot based on the that quarterback. Was, that was Mike but he well, also, not just with not but, just with Vic, but he but. also was the coordinator for that uh, on the Broncos during that 2013 run when Peyton won the MVP. So he's had success. Yeah, he's been around. He's obviously been. Peyton elevates your success, but you know I'm happy that we're getting someone who's been around the league forever, knows the West Coast offense, and can maybe help Sark. And I think more importantly, underneath the surface, the subtext of this move is is that this is putting Sark officially on warning. Like if you fuck up anymore, we got a guy. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's that's that was my initial thought. It was like, oh, now we have a guy to immediately step in. Probably not during next year, but mm-hmm. the year after that, and it'll be a smoother transition instead of a completely brand new coordinator again. Right. Do you realize? Um, which I don't think I did. Matt Ryan's contract's up after this year. Yeah. So I know Thomas is another thing in that press conference. They were saying his first priority is to get Matt a new deal. Um, he also said that it might be possible to sign Tevin Coleman. Coleman, yeah. Which, to me, there are two guys whose contracts are up, I think, after this year. One is Coleman. I think there's more than that. But the two that stick out to me the most are Coleman and Grady Jarrett. And if I have a choice, oh, Grady Jarrett. you've got to sign Grady Jarrett. Yeah, yeah. So that freaked me out because I was like, well, what about Grady Jarrett? Where's yeah. all this money going to come from? Right. So um, – we got to resign Grady. Running backs are a lot more replaceable than, than Grady Jarrett. Yeah. No, I totally agree with that. Um, yeah, I mean, just exactly how we got ours, our two running backs in the third and fourth rounds. Yeah. And both of them are draft someone probably from, top 10 backs, top 15 backs at the worst. Yeah. Tevin, I, th- I think Tevin can go get a lot more money somewhere else. Than I agree. Might, uh, and there's no reason. starting running there's back. There's no reason for him to stay. Um Brotherhood, brothership. Yeah, but when it's um, millions of dollars compared to eight hundred seventy thousand he's making now or whatever. Maybe it is. maybe he likes the brotherhood. Nah, that's nah, not going to happen. I think this is going to be our last year with Tevin Coleman. I think uh, another thing Dimitrov said in that presser was that they're going to try and solve the guard issue, not through the draft but through free agency. Good. So I'm fine with that, but I would like to draft an offensive lineman. You know, at least by the third or fourth round that we think is worth a damn. Just to have someone in reserve that we can groom that has more talent than a Wes Schweitzer, for example, or Ben Garland. Sixth round guys, I don't even know where Garland was drafted. You know, 
Yeah. Fortify the offensive line. Thomas has never done a really great job of doing this, like I mentioned last week. And I really <laughs> want him to draft some offensive linemen. I hear you, man. I hear you. We all hear you there. Yeah. You, you got anything to chime in about the fullbacks, too? Yeah, maybe we need a better fullback than Derek Coleman. Has he missed a seemed like he missed uh, a lot of blocks this year from what I can tell. So I, I didn't realize um, on that last play, the rollout to Julio, mm-hmm. where Derek Coleman's also out there. Yeah. Coleman has all of 15 receptions in his entire career, and he was the number two option on that route. Yeah, that's not good. That's another Sarkeesian special. I think that's when I realized this guy really is a loser, Sarkeesian. Yeah. I've been standing up for him all year saying he's going to figure it out. I, I mean, he's he's got to be on notice at this point in more ways than one. When's the la- where's the last place he succeeded? I guess he won a or he lost the national championship with Alabama last year. He was fired. No, that's not even true. He was the offensive coordinator for that game after Kiffin got pushed out. That is true. So he didn't do jack shit. No. Okay, fine. Sorry. He coached one okay. game for Alabama. I stand corrected. And um, you know, I'll eat crow. On this one, because I think both of us said in our preview show that we were we didn't think Sark was going to be an issue. A lot of the Falcons and naysayers were like, "Oh, he's going to bring down the offense. He's never coordinated an offense before. Like, whatever, he just runs Shannon's offense. It should be no problem." Easier said than done. So I'll, I'll admit I was completely wrong on that. Yeah, he's probably got more of an ego than that to just like be like, "I'm just going to run this man's." I mean, you can, you can add wrinkles and whatnot, but I mean, like, don't fix it if it ain't broken, man. It was the best offense in the league last year. We're back to no hope, doom, and gloom, so I hope you enjoyed this episode, Hugo. Kind of forgotten the sports even exist right now. Just got to move on from the Falcons. Yeah. Get excited about Acuna, Ozzy Albies, all these young arms with the Braves. Yep. That's what we got to look to. Spring's coming, Graham. Grass is going to get green. Sun's coming up. It's gonna get warmer. It's gonna get warm. I'm going. I'm gonna go to Fan Fest Saturday. That's what's gonna turn the page for me. I'm gonna go to Fan Fest for the Braves. I'm gonna get some good intel for all the great users out there. Very fair. And you, and gonna get this positivity train going. I like it. Does that work? That works. All right. All right. Thank you for making us part of your evening or day, wherever you are. Rise up, chop on, be in brotherhood, stay true to Atlanta, and unite and conquer. Hospitalism. Hospitalism. Now it's time for Veronica's sports puns. I have a pun for all you sports Caesars. Yeah, what's that? What's up? Sports Caesars? Users. Users. Oh, sports Caesars. What's a pumpkin's favorite sport? Seed spit. Squash! Oh. I should have a weekly segment.